Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. Biggest mistake I made was I spent so much time at this house. I wasn't looking for new deals. I wasn't selling houses as an agent, and I had my worst year ever by far because all my time was devoted to this property and I made no other money. And I had no other prospects when I was done. And it just taught me how valuable my time was and how I should be spending my time doing the profitable things in the business, not things I can hire out and for much cheaper than what my time is worth. This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Mark Ferguson of Invest for More. Mark has been a real estate investor and real estate agent since 2001 after graduating from the University of Colorado. Mark has flipped over 150 houses and routinely flips 20 to 30 houses a year. Mark owns 20 rental properties as well, including a 68,000 square foot strip mall. Mark is a managing broker and owner of Blue Steel Real Estate and is a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. Mark started Invest for More in March of 2013 to discuss his rental property investing techniques. He expanded Invest for More to talk about his flipping business and real estate agent business. Invest for More, that's Invest F O U R More, has now done 300,000 views a month and is one of the top real estate blogs. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Now, you've been in real estate investing for quite a while now. How did you get started in that? What were you doing before that made you go, hmm, maybe I should try this real estate investing thing? It started a long time ago. So my dad actually has been an agent and broker since 1978 before I was born. So I grew up with real estate my entire life. And in high school, I decided I wanted nothing to do with real estate at all. I'd had enough of it. Went to college, got a finance degree, And then I couldn't really find a job after that that paid me a ton of money and gave me freedom and was, you know, kind of like an entrepreneurial job. And I said, I'll work part time for my dad until I figure out what I want to do. And he was, like I said, an agent and he also flipped houses once in a while. So I got sucked into the business after college. As soon as I started working with him, I realized real estate was a really cool business to be in. And I ended up getting my real estate license helped him flip houses once in a while. And eventually um, that turned into me taking over the business, buying my own rentals. And it's kind of a slow process from first getting my license to helping him flip to doing it on my own. And then now I'm at a point now where I run a team and own a brokerage and I'm kind of, you know, taking my own path. And you ended up developing the team because you were doing so many you needed help or was there something else that went on? Um, Yes, for sure. So in the mid to late 2000s, I got involved in foreclosures, listing foreclosures for banks. And at one point, I was selling about 200 houses a year. So there was no way I could do everything on my own. And I hired my first assistant, Nikki, back then, who's still with me now. And it was kind of out of necessity, I hired her. And I realized how nice it was to be able to tell someone what to do (laughs) and give her tasks that I hated doing. And it just, 
I kind of like was a light bulb, like, oh my gosh, I don't have to do this paperwork or accounting anymore. I can ask her to do it. And it just, it made me happier. It freed up my time. And that allowed me to do more things to start a blog, to, you know, write books, flip more houses, do more investing. And we just kind of slowly built the team after that. And then I opened a, a brokerage this year and just kind of moved my team into there. And it's, it's just been wonderful having that help, although there can be some learning curves first hiring people. Right. Well, you touched on something that I, I like to share with people and being a podcaster and such and folks getting into podcasts and like, there's so much to do. It's like, well, then find someone to do the parts you don't want to do. You know, you worry about you and the content and then hire somebody else to the show notes or the editing or whatever. And the same thing in real estate, you get in there, go, oh my gosh, I hate this paperwork. I hate that because you want to be doing the business, not working on the business, you know, like they say. And you want to be out there flipping the houses. You've already flipped over 150 houses. So yeah. I think and you have a passion for that more than paperwork. Yes, exactly. And and you don't have to hire. You made a really good point about podcasting where, yeah, if you don't want to do the show notes or you don't want to edit, there are people who can help you do that. And just like in real estate, if there's paperwork or accounting, you don't have to go hire someone full time right away either. There are companies that will help you with that. There's virtual assistants. You know, there's payroll companies. There's so many options out there to help you with your business where you don't have to do everything. And that doesn't mean hiring someone where you're paying them full-time or even part-time. There are companies that will do that. So I want to talk a little bit about house flipping because everybody who's watched TV has probably seen one of the house flipping shows. There's a ton of them. What has been your favorite house flipping project? Oh, there's a lot. I, I know a lot of my least favorite. Um, my favorite one, I did a, a high-end flip that we sold last year. And it was a very interesting situation where there was a lady who lived in the house and she had a 10-year lease on the property. So nobody else wanted to buy it. The house went through foreclosure. The bank owned it, but they couldn't get rid of her because she had this 10-year lease. And they actually went to court twice to say it wasn't a valid lease. And the court ruled in favor of this lady for some reason. And I ended up buying that property. And it was a very nice house. It didn't need much work, which was nice because most of the flips we do need a lot of work. And the tricky part was negotiating with her to move out before her lease was up. And it was a very stressful at times because she was not easy to deal with. She could be very irrational and accused me of harassing her one time because I called her like twice in one week. <laughs> Just, it was, but at the same time, it was very interesting going through the process. And it was an extremely rewarding feeling when we finally came up with a deal, agreed on everything. She moved out and we ended up making over $100,000 on that house, not because of the work it needed, but because of this unique situation with this tenant. And we actually ended up paying for a lawyer to help represent her so she would feel more comfortable dealing with us because she didn't have any money. And so many people told me, don't do it. You know, you're going to get yourself in just a world of trouble. Stay away from that house. And then after we did it and completed it, it was just a really neat situation and a really cool story to be able to tell people. So what did you have to say or do to convince her to leave? It was $20,000 was the magic word. <laughs> so awesome. I would do it for that. <laughs> yeah. Works for me. 
Um, <laughs> but it was crazy because uh, the foreclosure laws say that if a house goes into foreclosure, a valid lease, you know, stays in place. But they pretty much say a, a lease that's 10 years long is not valid. And they say the lease was with her uncle. It wasn't with, a, um, you know, some random person. And they say if a lease is with a relative or someone, you know, it's not valid. But for some reason, the court still ruled for her. But it was just uh, her husband was in prison for scamming seniors out of money. It was a tricky situation. So it, was, it felt really good to get through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Now I'll get to your least favorite. Cause you're like, ooh, I know those. Those are obvious. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, we've had, we've had a few flips that we've lost money on. We've usually done pretty well. There's always a surprise. Things always seem to cost more and take longer. Yeah, I've seen but, TV. Yeah, it always, I think they, they stage it like that. But no, really, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just the business because you can look at a house, but you don't really know how much you have to do until you start working on it. You know, you don't know what's behind the walls or what's going to pop up or it's just, you never know. So it's very rare that we ever don't spend more than I think, even though I try to be accurate. It's just tough to know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the worst one by far was right around 2006 or seven. And so I had not started selling a ton of houses as an agent yet. I was still trying to really find my niche. And I decided to make extra money. I would do all the work on a flip myself. Cool. So I found a house. It was an old house, which was one big mistake. And I was I put in the windows, doors, demoed the kitchen, put in a new kitchen, tore a wall out, um, did all the flooring, did all the painting, did all the light fixtures, all the little stuff, textured walls. And it was the worst six months of my life. It was just oh. horrible. And I thought I would save all this money on labor because I was doing this work myself. But in the end, it cost me money because it took me three times as long as a contractor I was basically there working myself, even though a few friends said they'd help me, you know, they helped for a week and they're like, oh man, this sucks. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and and it, I had to have a contractor come back and, you know, make sure I was doing stuff right. Cause I wasn't, you know, this wasn't my job. So I also knew the work wasn't done as well as a contractor would have done. So in the end, it cost me money because it took longer. The work wasn't quite as good, but the biggest mistake I made was I spent so much time at this house I wasn't looking for new deals. I wasn't selling houses as an agent. And I had my worst year ever by far because all my time was devoted to this property and I made no other money and I had no other prospects when I was done. And it just taught me how valuable my time was and how I should be spending my time doing the profitable things in the business, not things I can hire out and for much cheaper than what my time is worth. Yeah, I've experienced those types of things in my world. Like, hey, you know, it'd be better, cheaper, more efficient if we do it ourselves. And that rarely works out. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, we don't even know how to do this. Why are we going to try to do it ourselves? Right. Like siding. <laughs> okay, we started the siding. We were going really well. And then we're like, okay, no, we're not going to finish this siding. <laughs> Call somebody. So how did you end up writing the blog? You're a blogger, you're a podcaster, you've got some books. What inspired you to do that? That's an interesting story too, because right around 2013 was when I bought my dad out. I bought the flipping business, the real estate team, he retired, and I took over everything. 
And right before I did that, I was just thinking, how can I expand my business, do more things? And my friend, Justin, who actually works for me now, he wasn't working for me at the time, said, why don't you write a blog? I'm like, I don't even, I don't really know what a blog is. <laughs> I hadn't written anything since college. And I'm like, okay. And he said, you know a lot about rentals. Why don't you just start writing about it? I'm like, all right. So I think a week later, I came up with a name. He helped me get a website going and I just started writing. And I had no plans for making money with it, had no idea where it was going. I just started writing articles. They were horrible. Um, my grammar <laughs> was atrocious. The structure was very tough to read. But people started responding and, and liking it. So I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. People like, like this. Because, I mean, I remember trying to put my first article and publish it. I was pretty nervous, like, oh, man. First mm -hmm. off, what if nobody ever sees it in two? What's even scarier is if people do see it, what are they going to think of it? So, <laughs> right. um, but people liked it and they knew it wasn't perfect, but they're like, hey, you know, yeah, you have some mistakes, but your message is good. And that's what we care right. about. So I just kept writing. I got better and better at it. And then we, we gained a pretty big following. And from that, you know, eventually started a podcast. I wrote a few real short ebooks to begin with. And basically what it was were blog articles that I put together and structured and edited. And then those did okay. And eventually I, I really put some effort into writing some really good full length books. Then those took off. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And it just kind of ballooned from there. But I never had a plan. I never really had a idea of what the blog would turn into. I just started writing and kind of went along for the ride. <laughs> So invest for more is your website and your blog and your podcast and all that good stuff. So is your mission to show other people how to do this through those platforms? Yeah. And the, the name invest for more comes from everyone asked me that. So when I was buying rentals, when I got up to four rentals, the bank stopped lending to me. They said, you can't have more than four mortgages. And it oh. turned out it wasn't all banks, just some of the bigger banks do that. And smaller banks can do it. There's other options. So I started the blog to teach people about the other options for financing rentals. So I talked all about rentals to begin with. And then after that, I started moving into the flips because I was still doing flips at that time. I just never wrote about flips. I'm like, oh, I should probably talk about the flips I'm doing. And so I started writing about those and started writing about being an agent. And yeah, basically the blog is just articles about becoming a real estate agent, being successful with investment properties, um, some mindset things just whatever I think of or feel like writing. And I've always tried to, to bring it from a prospect of how can I help other people? What will help them learn? And I think that's really helped the blog take off because it's not trying to really sell people on anything. It's just trying to help them. And the more you can help people, the better off you usually are. So how many properties rentals do you own now? Um, I have 20 now. So I have, at 15 residential rentals and then five commercial rentals. Now, do you use a property management company? Yes. Or Okay. So, so you're not doing the landlord thing. You're just owning them. Nope. Same thing like we talked about with that flip where I, I managed my properties until I had seven. And at that point, I'm like, well, actually, it was my wife because I claimed to manage them, but mostly she did it. <laughs> She's like, you're not, you're not buying more rentals unless you get a property manager. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And once we did that too, you just realize you don't think it takes that much time, but 
when you have that many properties, just the little phone calls, the little stuff just adds up. And it's so refreshing to have someone else handling those phone calls and scheduling repairs and meeting tenants. And it's really not that expensive either. So yes, I, I <laughs> highly recommend using property managers. <laughs> What's been your experience between the commercial and the residential? I really liked the residential. Uh, the problem was I'm in Colorado and the median price in our market in 2011 was about 100000 where I'm at in northern Colorado. And right now the median price is 310000 hmm. So our prices have tripled and it's, uh, it's very hard to cash flow on rentals here. So rentals usually work better kind of around the $100,000 range. We can buy them in there. When you get up over 200, 250,000, the rents just don't catch up to the values because people can't afford to pay $2,500 a month in rent, which is really what you need to rent a $250,000 house for or $300,000 house for to make it cash flow. So I stopped buying residential rentals here and was going to buy in Florida, some other states, until I found a couple of commercial property opportunities. And I decided it'd be much better to invest locally. And they're they're both similar. The numbers are similar, but the tenants are completely different. I think there's actually a little more management with residential, more turnover, more issues to deal with. Commercial, if you get a good tenant, it takes very little work and the commercial tenants usually pay more expenses. They take care of more of the repairs themselves. The big issue with commercials, if you lose a tenant, it can take much longer to find a new one than a residential mm-hmm. property. But yeah. Um, yeah, the commercial I love, the residential I love, just two completely different animals. So what advice do you have for the thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening? Real estate is an amazing investment and opportunity if people are interested in it. A lot of people don't understand exactly how real estate investing works. I I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. You know, there's all types of articles and videos out there about how, you know, the housing market only increases three to 6% a year. And that's obviously a horrible investment, but the housing market or investing in rental properties is completely different from the housing market. You know, for one thing, they're extremely easy to finance compared to other investments where you can put you know, 20% down as an investor, 5% or less down as an owner-occupant, and that's almost impossible to find in other investments. And you can buy real estate below market value, which is a huge advantage that most people don't talk about. I mean, when I'm flipping houses, I usually buy a property around you know, 150000 We end up selling it for 250000 after, you know, we have costs, obviously, you know, we'll right. spend 30 to 40,000 repairs, have 20,000 other costs, but it's really hard to buy a stock and then be able to sell it a year later for, you know, twice as much as you bought it for by improving it. You can't do anything to improve a stock. You just hope it goes up or hope the company does better. Where real estate, you have control, you can find really good deals, which is just a huge advantage. And and people want to sell for a number of reasons. They want to move quick. It's a foreclosure. There's reasons why houses are cheap. And then just the cash flow I love because every rental property I buy, I know I'm pretty much adding a monthly income for the rest of my life as long as I own that property. So it's just been really fantastic and and secure knowing I have, I think I'm up to like $12,000 a month from rental income after all expenses now. 
coming in for the rest of my life and actually will go up over time as inflation goes up because rents will go up and my mortgages will go down. So it's just such an amazing investment. And if people are interested in it, it's not easy. You know, obviously um, (laughs) there are some roadblocks like getting the money, finding the deals, learning your market. But if you're willing to really learn about it and, you know, go a little above and beyond what most people do, it can be an amazing investment and an amazing way to really build financial freedom. Well, Mark, tell us how to find out more about you online. How can we connect with you? Um, Yeah, like you said before, investformore.com is my blog. The best way to find me, it's investformore.com, so the number four spelled out. And then we've got a free ebook on there for people who want to learn more about real estate, retiring early, and how to find deals. You can always email me to mark at investformore.com. And we also have a YouTube channel where I, I do videos of all my flips, my rentals, different things I see. And we're up over 27,000 subscribers there. So that's been a lot of fun doing that. And um, yeah, email is the best way. We have a Facebook group for Invest for More too. So all types of ways to connect to me. And I always try to respond to everyone's comments and emails personally, just to help people out as much as I can. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. I've, I've learned a little bit and I, I know our listener has too. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun and glad I could help. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media? And in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rate and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.